If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up. From the rewatch to the Q&A, we will have loads of content every week. So sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 373 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, joined today by the Garrod Hegarty of Irish Mixed Martial Arts Media, Graham McDonald, as we talk about a very, 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 very busy, busy weekend in the world of Mixed Martial Arts. You know, we have another busy weekend next weekend because there's a massive UFC 277 card as well. We'll touch on that towards the end of the card, but we will have a preview show of that uh, this Thursday, I think it will be, like we have every week for the UFC over on YouTube. So subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already. If you're listening to this on SoundCloud, iTunes, anywhere you're listening to it, click the subscribe button as well before you do that. But before we get into the podcast, we must tell you that this episode is presented by our good friends over at All Real Nutrition. Go to eatallreal.com to see all their fantastic stuff. They are an Irish company with the best protein products on the market. Real food ingredients, high quality protein, and an absolutely great taste. If you've been watching our live streams for the last year or so, these lads have been supporting us, so please support them. They are plastic-free packaging, uh, and uh, they have home compostable wrappers. They have 4 million bottles prevented from entering the ocean, over 900 five-star reviews as well, and they are delivering anywhere in Europe. If you want to try them out, you can use the promo code SEVERMMA to get 15% off over at eatallreal.com. Eatallreal.com. Use the promo code SEVERMMA to get 15% off. They're an Irish company based in Kerry. Niall, I said it last week, a massive fan of the podcast, a massive supporter of SEVERMMA. So, so please support him. Buy their stuff as well. They're available now in Tesco and all the other places, but you can get 15% off here over at eatallreal.com. So buy them there. Use the promo code SEVERMMA. MMA. Right, Graham, let's get straight into the MMA and let's talk about UFC London. And it's funny, we were recording this just after you did a, a six hour live stream. So maybe it's not the best time to do it. But overall, what was your uh, what was your enjoyment levels of that card? Yeah, you know, it definitely had its uh, its ups and downs, mainly downs. I think obviously the, the main event was uh, a big uh Downer and uh, the Gustafsson fight against Krylov just was was a bit sad, uh, but uh, you know the Molly McCann win uh, was obviously a crowd favorite and a big win, and obviously Paddy Pimlet winning was was uh, very important as well. But didn't think Paddy looked great um, up until obviously he got the finish, but he got the job done. But you know the the tests he's going to face in the UFC are going to be. A lot's different than Jordan Levitt and Paddy's gonna have to, you know, make some changes if he's gonna if he's gonna compete with uh with, you know 
anybody who anybody's ever heard of in the UFC. Uh, obviously, Mark Jacasey, uh, it was a good win for him. He seemed to have both his uh, knees strapped up, so uh, maybe he had to play it a bit safe. You know, there was Nathaniel Wood winning. There was some good results for the English car, the English fans, but I don't think the London fans would be coming coming out of there, you know, hyped or thinking that oh, that was a great card. Obviously, there was some good moments that they would have enjoyed. As I said, the Paddy Pimmer, the Molly McCann, and, and stuff like that, and some other some other uh, local or uh, fighters winning. But I think the, the card didn't didn't perform uh, or didn't live up to expectations, even though uh, maybe. You know, there was the Paddy Pimblet win and, you know, some important wins going down to Mohamed Mokhev and Jai Herbert getting a win as well, which is very important. But, yeah, I think I think the card didn't live up to the potential of that and was quite long and had a lot of fights that went to decision and had a lot of fights on it in general. Like, it seemed like, you know, I know I just did a six and six hour, six and a half hour stream, but it seems like... Uh, this, this card started like fucking 12 hours ago or something. Yeah, in fairness, I was on it only for a bit and I, I popped in and out, but yeah, I was. That will definitely take it out of you. But as someone who kind of just all but three or four of the fights watched it on myself, it, 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 it was a long card because there were so many decisions, a lot of kind of boring fights. It was saved, I think, by Molly and Paddy. If it wasn't Molly and Paddy, it'd be up there like one of the worst cards of all time, especially the way, the way that the, the main event ended. Uh, so I suppose you know we've started talking negatively here. I suppose we go through the bad parts first, and then we go through the good parts. I suppose so. Let's start from uh, maybe the the bottom to the top here, and I run through quickly. Dalby and Silva was actually a pretty good fight. To be to be honest, it wasn't a bad way to kick off the card. Uh, Dalby won that uh, relatively um, relatively close fight. Silva had some good moments, and then Dalby kind of came back as well. Um, Dalby did well to survive a couple of times with, with Silva on him. Then Victoria Leonardo and Mandy Bone put on kind of a, a pretty atrocious fight. There was a lot of clinching and yeah. not a not a great fight what to, uh, at all there between the two of them. Um, Jai Herbert then I thought he put on a good performance. It seems like it seems like it was ten hours ago since, since we watched that. I think it was a good performance. I thought it was very cagey. It was very In, he needed it though, performance from both guys. I think yeah. it was really like oh I, I need to win and I don't want to make a mistake and. You know, I, even even walking out, I thought Joy Herbert looked like the weight of the world was on his shoulders, and you know, it, did, it yeah. probably was a win that kept him in the in, in the UFC. And you know, Kyle Nelson will probably get cut now, so it's kind of probably understandable that both guys were kind of, you know, um, not really, uh, you know, um, as confident or as flowy or as. Uh, as uh, willing to let the shots go as maybe they usually are. Yeah, and that, that's fair. And maybe the reason I say it's a good performance is having spoken to Joy a couple of weeks ago, it was kind of like he needed this performance. He needed a win more than anything else. So, you know, we'll get to Jukesi in a second. And I think even this one, having won the last one, it was still the same for Jukesi. He needed that win. And I think the fact that Herbert, you know, the, he got to the, the ground at the start of the third round he got on top of him and he kind of stayed there for the rest of the round we were all kind of saying on the live stream that like maybe Jai Herbert normally would be getting up here and not staying in that position but he's probably thinking of his job in that position something that he was probably thinking of walking to the cage and that's why he looked nervous something he was probably thinking of between rounds when he looked nervous as well and you know what that's a very hard thing to criticise a man for to be honest and it's very hard to criticise a man either for winning a fight in a similar fashion like we talked about Adesanya a couple of weeks ago and I think it's a very 
different situation when someone is like so overmatched maybe or undermatched whatever, whichever way you want to look at it in a fight and they don't perform or they put on maybe a safer performance but when you're someone like Joy Herbert and you are you know fighting for your your salary fighting for your job fighting for your living to get the win no matter what I think it's it's a good performance against a guy who's you know relatively relatively evenly matched up on him uh, I think like uh, like Kyle Nelson was so yeah it, maybe not you know it wasn't a vintage performance for me either I remember we, you know we, we kind of said it on it but it was a winning performance from Joy Herbert and I think at this stage of his career that is uh, that's the most important thing I would say the same for Mohamed Makayev, maybe it was a winning performance more than a great performance. But look, he's seven fights into his career. What is it? His second UFC fight. The time in the cage will do him well. Uh, it, you know, it's one of those ones where you watch it and you think, look, if Makayev could put on a few more strikes, if he could go for a little bit more, he probably would have either got the finish in that fight or been ultra, ultra dominant. He was ultra dominant anyway, but more in like the the winnings of the positions more than anything else, which is something that will take you so far, but won't take you far enough. Now, based on on that, not based on Mikhaev overall, he's a very, very good fighter, and I think he can go very, very far away. What, what was your general take on the Mikhaev performance, Graham? It could have been a little yeah, better, but still. Uh, I agreed with a lot of what you said. I, th- I think he could have. He, he had moments on the feet where he was striking, and he seemed to be doing well when he was thrown in, in combinations and he went straight to the, the kind of chain takedowns and he, he maybe could have, you know, put the, put the fight away that way. And he seemed kind of determined to get the takedown and Charles Johnson, you know, fought it well and uh, did the basics right and kind of, you know, put out, put up a great defense, but he was just in defensive mode the whole time because uh, Mo was just all over him. And, yeah, uh, you know, it's one of the performances where you can he can go back and learn uh, a lot from it, and he still got the win, still kept his undefeated record, and still dominated the fight, and was never in trouble at any stage. So, you know, these learning performances where you're never in trouble, you dominate the fight, you're in the UFC on the big stage, and you're in there against a like, you know a quite experienced guy, a more experienced guy than you at, at professional level anyway, and a guy who's a champion and uh, previously in another another promotion, I think LFA was it. Yeah, uh, I think if it was he champion in two different promotions or something like that. Yeah, yeah LFA. Yeah, so he's no, he's no mug like you know, like usually a, a young guy like uh, like this will co- come in and you know uh, you'd, you'd be kind of forgiven if uh, or you'd you'd expect him to go in there and you know face adversity against somebody like Charles Johnson, but he he completely dominated and it just shows the the level of anticipation and how highly we, everybody rates him as a competi- as a pro- prospect that when he goes in there and it's not even competitive and he wins kind of every second of the fight and people are still thinking, oh, well, like, you know, maybe not his best performance, but, you know, I still think, this, you know, the sky's the limit for this guy. Like, you know, I, I don't see any kind of uh, pull back the reins on the, on the hype train or anything like that. I think, you know, he, he looked great out there. Obviously, he didn't... He didn't maybe finish like I thought he would, but I think he showed like a lot of potential. And obviously, he still has to refine his game. He's very young and in in age and in his pro career and in the UFC. So, yeah, I, re- I really think he's still a huge, huge prospect. And it was a yeah, even uh, though it was a dominated performance, maybe it wasn't uh, as dominating as people expected. Yeah, but things to work on, yeah. things to improve on. 100%. Yeah, exactly. that, That's no harm either. But uh, yeah, still a very, very good performance and good win. Uh, Jonathan Pearson beat Macquan Amir Kani. It looked like Amir Kani might have got the finish early, but uh, Johnson kind of uh, sorry, uh, Jonathan Pierce came back in that one and got the the ground and pound win uh, in the second there. Um, Nathaniel Wood then. <laughs> 
he looked a bit blown up at 145 going up in weight but still he got the win and he, he dominated over Charles Rosa he looked good at the weight in terms of the way he fought but I think size might be an issue for him going forward I know he talked to Harry actually if anyone hasn't listened to that interview yet he spoke about the reasons he did go up and you know not being able to sweat and things like that and that's a big big issue so if that uh, you know if that's the way it is then he has to fight a 145 and that's it Charles Rosa I don't think is particularly a massive 145 or it's kind of like a make a 145 or in two weeks notice type of guy and always has been looked at some of that is uh, because of the way he keeps himself as well but good performance in Thaniel Wood good, good to see him going forward I, I would say the same maybe about uh, Mark Chikesi, um another solid wrestling performance there isn't much to say about it other than that 15 minutes of domination yeah. just able to get on top you know I saw when he came out he had both knees strapped up uh was you that know, was like, that an injury or because he was wrestling? I, I don't. <laughs> I don't know. Like uh, he hasn't done it before, uh, to my knowledge or to my memory, he hasn't worn um, strapping on uh, straps on his on his knees. So maybe there was something in in that, and maybe that's why he was even more heavy on the on the wrestling than before. But you know, I think we mentioned after his last performance. I think things have kind of clicked. The the transitional periods in between the different disciplines of of martial arts. Uh, he seems to have made some kind of, you know, breakthrough there, and you know we'll, we'll see it when he steps up a competition again because, it, it, like you know, uh, he he definitely has uh, his face stuff a competition in the UFC uh, than this so far. But I I do think that uh, you know it's maybe ninety percent of the time moving over to a big gym in in America or whatever one of these big gyms works out. But for Mark, it it. it you know, he kind of got lost in the shuffle or forgotten about. And if if there's loads of big names there and there's only so much time for the coaches, maybe if you're not getting the job done in the UC, you kind of get left behind. And sometimes being the bigger fish in, in the smaller pond suits guys and they can get the attention that they need. And that seems to be working out for Mark. So hopefully, you know, uh, that continues. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, uh, it, it, it's hard to criticise a guy as well who was almost cut from the UFC two fights ago and then has won his last two no matter how he's won them so I think uh, you know fair play to him and, and two two dominant performances in a row there's there's a much to say about that as you said he's he's done well to kind of add parts to his game or where he can get kind of the in-between bits to get the fight to the ground but also if he could add a bit of the striking to the wrestling which is kind of calling for to be fair we could see a very good Marchi Casey in, in a while like Aaron Pico yeah. is the example of that I suppose we see Aaron Pico strike and we see him wrestle but it was very we didn't see much of like him striking and wrestling together he's doing one or the other and now I think he's improved that over these last couple of fights and obviously he's pushed on in his career now Casey's different and you know a different age and a different sort of type of prospect but still very very good in all areas and if you can mix all those areas together he could be a very good fighter and I've always kept the faith with Mark Chikese you know even through the losses and all of that anyone listening to this podcast knows that yeah. and you've been following for a long time as well so be great I think um, you know and one thing he could kind of work on is getting some clean ground to pound away when he does have the dominant wrestling positions yeah. or, or dominant you know throwing small shots doesn't maybe in the past scores but now you need to you know, choose your shots wisely and land the big shots, and I, I think that's something he could he could improve on. But you know, he's still he's still young enough. I think he's still in his twenties, is he? Oh, he's just about that, anyway. Hold on, let me click. Twenty nine. Yeah, 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 he's twenty nine. Yeah. He turned twenty nine a couple of months ago, so he's still young in the game. You know, uh, he's been around a long time. You know, we've been watching him since I don't know the Bama days back at what eight eight nine years ago. So 
sometimes you forget how young how young these guys were and you know he has some good wins like Joe Duffy Lando Vanada and now these two wins in a row so yeah it, you know he's obviously had to reset and kind of fight for his UFC career but it does seem to be coming together and if you can add a few more wrinkles to his game you know he'll definitely be already is and will be more of a challenge to the most in the division if I assume I'd be calling up Petty Pimblet tonight anyway that's what I'd be doing we'll get the Petty Pimblet at the moment who think? was it called him out Marco Madsen called him out really yeah, weakly that, that's, called that's, it, oh, that's not going to happen really I don't think I don't think that one's going to happen what did you think of the Mason Jones fight it, it felt like another yeah. flat performance for Mason Jones here credit Ludovic Klein coming in Sharon notice he did the job but not great by yeah, on, the, on the live stream I was kind of saying like you know Mason Jones kind of needs to make it happen in this fight or we kind of have to reevaluate what his ceiling is or what his kind of immediate ceiling is I suppose you know he can we've seen guys turn turn it around but he doesn't I know this is a bit of a short notice fight but he doesn't seem to be in the same shape that he was back in the some cage warriors fights I don't know what's going on with that um yeah I don't know I I think maybe we might have overestimated uh how good Mason Jones is mixed with he might have fallen in love with trying to get into a war that maybe isn't beneficial to his career and his style. And, you know, uh, he if he gets another fight in the UFC, it's probably going to be make or break for, for getting caught. So, I don't know, maybe he means, needs to make some changes in his personal life or maybe things are going on that we don't know about or maybe he's just not as good as we thought he could be. I think sometimes your head can kind of just get off the centre line in terms of your career as well. Like I always give the example of Tyron Woodley against Wonderboy. You know, he fought Wonderboy and then he fought Wonderboy in his next fight and he fought after that and he fought, you know, he was fighting Wonderboy for the rest of his career, basically. It feels like Mason Jones is maybe fighting Joe McCulligan and also welterweight for, for you know, what, what he's done. He went, I, I think that fight against McCulligan, who was a very good technical fighter, he needed to kind of get into a war with a guy like Joe McCulligan. And then when he tries to do that against other guys, it's it's obviously not going to work. Horses for courses. Going up to welterweight, I think, at that time as well. And I remember talking about the McGregor thing and the two-weight uh, championship thing. I just don't think that was the right move for Mason Jones at the time. And then he got into the UFC and it's kind of been hit or miss for him in the UFC as well. I think if he can get his head back on straight on him, I still think there's a very good fighter in Mason Jones. Um, I think you get back to that technical, slick boxing game with your wrestling behind it as well, and you can you can go a long way. The problem is, though, like the UFC are giving guys like Mason Jones coming out of cage where soft such tough matchmaking. Like it's 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 ridiculous, really. Like uh, Mike Davis. You know, eight doing his square fine. Alan Patrick in 18 ish fights or something like that. Ludovic Klein now 22 fights in his career. David Onama was eight. No, okay, that was not as bad, but still, like, are we building up these fighters? Are we putting them in there to see, like, the survival of the fittest? Because a guy like Mason Jones needs building up. Like, there are certain fighters, like, like, they they do need building up like a, a guy a guy like Shemaev he doesn't need building up he's ready throw him in there but Mason Jones Paddy yeah Paddy Bimbley Paddy Bimbley does. he's another guy on this card that like you know they they're pushing because he's we, we, we get, yeah, we, we where get it makes sense to second, push him yeah, you know what does, I mean yeah, yeah. But, uh, Mason Jones hasn't really done that so he hasn't yeah. you know he's just another guy to the UFC he's just another guy Paddy Pimblet's a special case because He's already kind of done the cage warriors thing, built a name for himself online, sold out arenas, you know, had big... Mason Jones hasn't done any of that. So to the UFC matchmakers who have these cards coming thick and fast and have, what, like 800 fighters or whatever it is now, 
you know, you got to make yourself stand out. And Mason Jones hasn't done that, so he's not going to get that kind of, you know, preferential treatment. Yeah, indeed. Uh, the Paul Craig fight, then, I actually love this fight. I thought, I thought this, was, <laughs> this was the highlight of, like, the, the you know, the non-Liverpool stuff on the card. Just kept pulling guard, looking for arm bars, looking for leg locks and things. The biggest problem... Pulled him, pulling guard, <laughs> pulling him into full mount at one stage and everything. Mount, yeah. Yeah. I, the biggest problem was around the halfway point of the fight, Every time he pulled guard, uh, Odzimir would just get into, like, uh, his full guard, and he could do nothing from there. Like, when he was getting into half guard, and when he was getting into places he could go for arm bars for, uh, stuff like that, it was it was, it was was working grand, but there was a, a point reached where pulling guard for Paul Craig just wasn't working. Like, it was weird as well. He was getting into, like, deep double legs, and he was just giving up on them and pulling guard. Like, get a couple of those deep double legs and a lot of these things change. You get on top and you can look for a submission then. It, it, you know, that would be the biggest mistake. But Paul Craig fought a winning fight. You know, Paul Craig went in there to win. He didn't manage to win and he lost. I couldn't criticise a guy for that. You know, he tried from the very first second to the very last second to win that fight and to finish that fight in the best way he could against the guy who's better than him in lots of different areas. And it didn't work out for him, but it could have. You know, and I, I, I couldn't yeah. criticize this guy for that. So he kept trying to make things happen. Like, you know, as I said, he pulled him into mount even just to get him to the ground because he knew he wasn't going to win on the feet. He did it. He did what for Doom used to do. He pretended he was hurt more than he was, trying to get Ustamir to, you know, flurry at him and try to finish the fight and catch him in something. But Uzumir, in fairness to him, he stuck to the game plan. He Every time there was any kind of danger, he tried to, you know, back out and stand back up and didn't really engage uh, in what Paul Craig wanted. And, yeah, uh, Paul Craig, uh, basically, you know what he's going to try and do, and Uzumir was well aware of it and just avoided it uh, at the vital moments. And Paul Craig got tired and got desperate and... Uh, just just couldn't get it going but you know i enjoyed the fight the jeopardy was still there because you know we've seen it from paul craig before he can he can pull and uh something out, out, of, out of nothing on the ground when you, when you think he's he's done and he's willing to eat some shots to get it done he's willing to pull guard he's willing to pull people into mount just to to make something happen to get into his realm and try and try and create a scramble so yeah i enjoyed the fight it was uh wasn't one for the ages i won't be going back and watching it or anything but uh, for 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 the the night that was in it was one of the better fights. Hashtag jujitsu doesn't work. Yeah, well, <laughs> that was it. No. Uh, Nikita Krilov then and Gustafsson. This is one of the saddest fights I ever watched. Like this, this is reminds me of Molly McCann was before. No, no, we, we'll we'll get to the positives. Sorry, we'll go we we'll go to Molly and Batty at the end, but we'll get through the negatives first. It's fucking taking twenty two minutes and <laughs> being a lot of negatives on this car, but it was just I I'll, I'll just take this one. It was sad to see Gustafsson. I think the way he's like. Up there, it's probably after John Jones, either the second or third, maybe fourth greatest uh, light heavyweight of all time. <clears throat> and to lose to a guy, you know, Nikita Krylov is a good fighter, like, but he's a good middling light heavyweight fighter. Alexander Gustafsson years ago would have been destroying a guy he's like this. Decent on his day, I would say. Decent Carla. on his day, yeah. Decent on his day. He went in there and got destroyed in 67 seconds against this guy. That's not what Alexander Gustafsson was, but that's what he is now. I talked about it on the preview shows, and it's like 15 years Alexander Gustafsson has been fighting, 
And if we were to be honest with it, that's probably longer than anyone should get at the top level of mixed martial arts. I remember people talking before about like seven to nine years as an MMA career. So he's gotten way longer out of it than most people could. He only has 26 fights, Gustafson. So he doesn't have that much but the preparation and people pulling out of fights and preparing for five round fights and tough fights against the likes of John Jones and others. They take you all out of it. And, you know, Daniel Cormier said his chin is gone. But I think uh, Aaron McGracken uh, said very wisely over it's not his chin it's his brain which is very correct like you know he gets hit with one shot and he goes down he just is not able for it anymore and it's a pity I, I hope Alexander Gustafson retires We, I don't want to see a great fighter and who's seemingly a great guy as well go out like that again he had the one fight he came back he tried it again after going up to heavyweight no mass that's, that's enough of it now we don't want to see a guy getting knocked out over and over which is what will happen if he continues to fight um I, I don't want him like it's say I, I spoke about this before with Frankie Edgar and I think people people criticize me an awful lot for that but like I'm trying to think of the fighters here I'm trying to think of what's best for them like people said it about Frankie Edgar and then he goes out and gets like three knockouts in his next four fights or four and five or something and like what's the excuse to those people wanting to see one more from a guy like Frankie Edgar then it's the same with Gustafson here. Just as much as you'd love to see Gustafson fighting again and again and again, and as much as you're a fan of him before, like I was, it's the end. It should be the end for his safety. It's it's only going to get worse. And we see, you know, we see the damage that stuff like this can do to you. And I I, I hope that's not the case for Alexander Gustafson uh, ever again. So you know, a great fighter. We will remember him as a great fighter. But um, that's enough for me. That's enough. Um. The top two then we, uh, before we got to the Liverpool fights, Jack Hermanson versus Chris Curtis. I thought it was a woeful performance from Chris Curtis and a great one from Jack Hermanson, or a good one from Jack Hermanson. Curtis literally just stood there for the whole fight getting punched up, acting like he was winning. It was like it was bizarre. It was like a Bobby Green fight back in the day or something yeah, he like couldn't, that. He it couldn't weird. cut him off. He was just following him around and he was just getting picked apart, picked apart, picked apart. And... He just had no answer, and then I don't know. He just had to look a fucking idiot at the end. Yeah, giving him flipping the double birds and stuff. Really, yeah, made himself look really stupid, roaring and shouting, going out of the cage, flipping the double birds again. And it's not like Hermanson didn't fight him or anything like that. Hermanson hit him with a load of shots. He landed loads. He of dominated strikes. him. Yeah. Dominated him. Yeah, it was an easy win for Hermanson. Curtis came on a little bit in the third, but even when Hermanson kind of did slow down a little bit in the third after expending a lot of energy in the second, Curtis didn't really have anything for him. The power wasn't doing much for Hermanson. And uh, it was just, it was levels, to be honest. Hermanson was just a, a big level or two or three levels above Chris Curtis, and it really showed here. And Curtis embarrassed himself then afterwards. I don't know, you know, it was, I, I don't want to be criticizing Eric Nixick again, but you have the Sean Strickland game plan we saw a couple of weeks ago. Now you've this Chris Curtis game plan that I'm not sure what it was. Yeah, if if this that was that couldn't a, <laughs> couldn't have been a game plan. That wasn't, I don't know. It's, that wasn't it's, a game plan. Whichever it is, you have two pretty follow the guy around the cage while getting picked apart. Yeah, it was it was <laughs> atrocious anyway. Also, why was this the coming event? I know it was supposed to be Darren Till, but when Darren Till gets out of it, uh, just get nobody rid of was going to complain if you if you move Jack Manson down. Yeah. To the third fight and put Paddy Pimble at the yes. co-main event, like <laughs> even Jack Romanson. Oh, oh, <laughs> Jack Romanson would be like, "Yeah, fair yeah, enough." Jack Romanson probably expecting the call, or expecting the message any minute, and never yeah. came. <laughs> never came. Yeah, but it was ridiculous. Uh, and in the main event, Curtis Blades against Tom Aspinall. Fifteen seconds of wind here didn't seem that long. Blades hit him with one beautiful right hand in through a second and kind of half grazed him. Aspinall threw a leg kick. 
went to put his leg back down and as he was putting the leg back down he was reaching for it looked like a dislocated knee or something like that looked like a knee injury anyway maybe I don't know, you know if ACL a, or something a bone in his leg or yeah, something I, I, initially something like I thought that. it was a knee but then on replay I thought it might have been a bone in his leg yeah, so it I'm, did, I'm not really sure. It did seem something bad, all right. Like it was, and it, it wasn't, wasn't like a le- it wasn't a check. It was just uh, he stepped in to throw a punch, or Curtis Blade stepped in to throw a punch as uh, Tom was throwing the kick, and it didn't even seem to break on the kick. It seemed to just something seemed to pop uh, or, or break uh, as he put as he planted his foot, and then he immediately reacted, and you knew it was serious straight away, and obviously he had to be stretchered away, and. It looks like it's going to keep him out for you know at least you know six to twelve months. So that's it's a big blow. I yeah, you'd never know yet to to see exactly what it was. Like if if it is a dislocation or something like that, it mightn't be as uh, as bad as first fear. But we, as we said, we're literally recording this right after the card, so we'll see uh, we'll see how it goes. It was what a disappointing way to end the fight. Though for Tom Aspinall, for Curtis Blades, like Blades gets the injury, but he or the win, sorry, but he says himself, and even a, did you pick him by first round knockout? Actually, yeah, I, I did. Yeah, did. What price is that? Plus one thousand. Oh, yeah. <laughs> did you bet on that? Yeah, I did. did yeah. You? Oh, fucking sweet! You were probably the happiest man in the fucking in UK and Ireland. So after that, how much you? No, I wasn't. I wasn't actually. <laughs> no, to be really honest, not. it was fucking. Yeah, I, I really wanted to see. You know, I thought there was going to be a lot of questions answered about Tom Aspinall, and uh, I was in, like, I was, I was interested to see what happened, and it, I, it looked like it was going to be a quick night the way they kind of came out swinging at each other, but uh, and it ended up being for different reasons, but. Um, yeah, it was it was a disappointing ending, especially you know, uh, it's the second card in a row for the UFC that an injury has ended the main event early. Yeah, it was a disappointing evening to a very, very disappointing night with everything we've gone through there. But the shining light was Molly McCann and Paddy Pimblett. Um, Liverpool always saved the day. Like, <laughs> Liverpool you know. always saved the day. It's, fu- it's funny, like, uh, you know, the Liverpool people in a non-scoring main event again, you know, that was fucking, it's not unusual <laughs> to, to see that. But anyway, um, Molly McCann got a great fucking so everything. Nice finishes is very Liverpool, no? Uh, yeah, a little bit, for sure. For Bayern Munich, this year man they gone over there but anyway we leave that um, Molly McCann got the spinning back elbow and punches again the bar stool bomber as I like to call her now um, <laughs> Hannah Goldie has anyone had ever had bigger traps in the UFC definitely not a woman anyway there's no doubt about that but like she's the biggest traps I've ever seen and she's a fucking powerful lady but Molly McCann she had good takedown defense here she was a better striker throughout uh Look, it was it was a good matchup for Molly, I think, uh, but she did a great job of it. She was put into some compromising positions by Hannah Goldie, but deal, dealt with all of them very, very well. Landed that spin and elbow, landed some punches after it and got the finish. Even before that as well, she landed some good punches where I thought she was uh, hurting Hannah Goldie pretty well. Did a great job. They showed Paddy in the background, you know, jumping up and down and everything. Cut the promo, was giving out about everything and everything like that. So that was great and got the crowd up for it. Then we had obviously the down with the Gustafson loss, but then we had Paddy Pimblett coming out. And it was a very interesting first round for Paddy Pimblett. All three judges actually gave it to him, which, you know, I'm not necessarily too surprised about. But Yeah, I gave it to him as well. Yeah, I thought Levitt kind of won the goings of the round, if you want to put it that way. It's like it's, It wasn't dominant by a Paddy, probably won it on criteria. You know, if you're if you're looking at it from uh, from a judging point of view, but from like a is Paddy Pimblett the best fighter in the world point of view, you're probably saying, well, Jesus, Jordan Levitt gave him all he could do uh, in the first round. There, I thought 
Um, I thought Levitt was a really strong in the clinches and Paddy was kind of lacking there. He was kind of going for things that he probably shouldn't have gone for. But anyway, the first round went. Um, uh, Levitt spent, spent a lot of it on top and did pretty well. But as you said, Paddy landed some good stuff and some good shots even on the feet as well. The, the bits of the fight we had on the feet, you know, Levitt threw that front kick at one stage and hit Paddy right up the middle with it. Paddy threw a few punches and probably landed the better of the stuff, but there wasn't that much of an undefeat. Uh, towards the end, then, what happened was Paddy Pimblett called him like, I don't know what you call it, a, a reverse darst thing. That was, I was watching, I was like, what is Paddy Pimblett doing here? He's just going to have to give this up. And then, you know, Levitt's going to get his back or something. But it was, I think it was a really bad position, a really bad thing to do for Paddy. But he threw a knee there and made it all good because he hurt Levitt badly with the knee. Then got around, took the back and he trapped the arm, which I'll have to watch it again. But it was, it was either lucky or brilliant. It was one of the two. But either way, he did trap the arm, kept it in there. And once he had that, if you have someone like Paddy Bimblet on your back and you've only one arm to defend, it's good night, Irene. And it was here as he rear naked choked uh, Jordan Levitt. Uh, it was a performance that would, again, I, I, we were talking about it with Scrooby's Pip on the. Uh, on the uh, the live stream, it's like it feels bad having to talk about Paddy sometimes because we have to be a bit of a party pooper because we've watched him for so long and knows what he's like, know what he's like, and uh, and see the performances and have to analyze the performance. But we also want to jump into the hype train, which we will do a little bit as well. The performance itself. Look, you could go through that performance like I have there a little bit and see that there's big areas like he's striking is not great. If if he comes in there against a good striker, he's going to have issues. If he comes in there against a better wrestler than Jordan Levitt, he's going to have issues. But if he gets the back and gets on your back, he is going to choke you out. He's a brilliant jiu-jitsu artist. If he gets you in a, um, a a triangle or anything like that, he is he's a dangerous guard and he's dangerous up against the clinch and he hits hard as well. You know, his striking isn't the best technically, but he can damn hit hard. So there are a lot of good things about Paddy Pimblett as well. Um... And the hype is there. Like, the crowd are mad for him. He cut a great promo afterwards, a funny one. And then, like, he talked about mental health, about his friends, um, you know, committing suicide and stuff, which, you know, was very sad. And then, but, like, put a massive baby face promo, as they'd say, in, 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 uh, in pro wrestling, that people really liked him for it and liked that he took that time to say that sort of thing. And also, you know, I think a lot of... A lot of stars recently have been inauthentic, you know, whether it's Colby or whether it's Masvidal or whether it's Sean O'Malley. Paddy Pimblett, if you love him or hate him, and I think I love him and most people love him, he's authentic. Whether he yeah. says something well, good Paddy, or something Paddy bad. Paddy basically saying, like, love me or hate me, but this is me. And yeah. that's what he's saying to the world. And You can't fake that. You can't, Paddy, you can't fake Paddy Pimblett. You know, it was like McGregor back in the day. You can't fake Conor McGregor. You either are it or you're not it. And Paddy Pimblett is Paddy Pimblett. It. He really is, and it's that's the reason why he's a star, isn't it? Though it, it, it's it's not the fighting because he's not a great fighter. For being honest, he's a good fighter. He's not a great fighter. But he, but the fact but he's, he's usually in good fights as well, though. He in is, fairness. To be fair, you know, yeah. there's jeopardy in his fights, and not everybody can be a world champion. And we have to kind of we, me and you, are speaking about Paddy Pimblett, kind of in the midst of hearing all these people being like, "Oh, Paddy Pimblett's going to go all the way," or you know, yeah, Paddy Pimblett should fight this guy or this guy who who's just like way out of his league at the moment. You know what I mean? Uh, we're talking about a context, context of like the upper echelon and comparing him to that. But, uh, you know, Paddy Pimblett, we, we can, we can talk about Paddy Pimblett all, 
uh, all the time and we, we always talk about the the weight and the the training and taking it properly seriously and if you're going to be in a division like this in the UFC this is no easy division you know you're going to have to you're going to have to the minimum requirements are that you put in the proper training and you don't yeah you go off for a week or two and, and eat badly after your fight or whatever but don't get huge don't do like be like Ricky Hatton or whatever you know what I mean don't take it to the extremes you need to be improving between he's still young he should be improving between fights more than he is and I think probably a big reason for that is the you know the eating side and the thing and Paddy can say oh your people are fat shaming him and stuff no people are comparing you to the the people that you should be aspiring to to beat in the UFC and what they do and these are huge things that they may seem small to some people but these are huge things like having to cut that weight having to get back into shape this is wasting time that you could be improving this is valuable uh you know improvements that you're not making that you should be making at, at your age and the, the older you get the harder it is go- it, it gets to it becomes to make those gains so Paddy Pimblet like is is kind of letting the potential of how good he can be go to waste if he doesn't do this and he needs to get every bit of potential out of out of his game if he wants to compete with these guys because most of these guys unfortunately like for Paddy or whatever and people might disagree or whatever but I think he's at a disadvantage so he he really needs to have every all these all these small things perfect if he's going to compete with these guys and he needs to be making improvements at a quicker level than he a quicker rate than he is at this moment so yeah great win for Paddy Pimblet and all that I don't want to take away from him like he, he came overcame a little bit of adversity even though I thought he won the first round it was close and he got a good finish but yeah, for people thinking he's going to go all the way, I just don't think it's realistic unless he changes up his his you know approach to the game. Yeah, and it's not necessarily even like the two or three weeks on holiday, the two or three weeks of eating. It's probably the month it takes to get all that weight off and get back down. I know he's saying this fat shame and stuff. It's just an excuse so he doesn't have to deal with He knows this. He was telling he's not us fat either. something. <laughs> I can't remember if he told if he told Severe May or if he told somebody else years ago or whatever, but he did interviews where he talked years ago in Cage Warriors about how he needs to work with like the University of Liverpool or something. I can't remember exactly with his these special nutritionists and these weight cutting guys and diet and all this stuff so we can improve like he said all this stuff. He knows all this stuff, but he's just not doing it. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I I think the two best things that Paddy Pimblett said tonight were he was disappointed with his performance and that he wants to fight again before the end of the year because there's five months left in the year and that means he can't spend too long out of the cage if he wants to fight again. You know, the worst thing Paddy Pimblett could have is a month off or two months off. It really, really is because you don't, you don't, he doesn't want that. He needs to be improving. Like, uh, as the lad said on the live stream, he should be in the gym Monday morning improving again. Like, Paddy Pimblett is, he's a lot of fights, right? He has a lot, a lot of fights in his career, 22 fights, and he is not a prospect. Like Paddy Pimbit is a long way into his career right now. He needs to make the very most, as you said, Graham, of what he has, of his ability. He has great ability. He's a good athlete. He's fast. He is like a a, a natural, brilliant jujitsu game. And you need to add pieces to that puzzle to become the full package. And especially a lightweight, 
if that was if it was a 185 I would say something different if he was a 205 or whatever I would say something different but at 155 there was someone talking like number 14 is Dan Hooker you could meet him Dan Hooker would be a nightmare for Paddy Pimblett right now would be an absolute I imagine someone like a Michael Chandler for Paddy Pimblett would be an absolute nightmare to go up and fight someone like that and I said you know I said when we really shouldn't be saying that but at the same time Paddy has a lot of fights he is not your normal prospect he has climbed the cage wires tree climbed it again and was you know three quarters of his way to climbing it again when he got signed to the UFC so it's a very interesting uh, you know situation we have with Paddy at the moment but the best thing that happened Paddy tonight was he got the win you know he got the win the hype train can roll on he can keep getting his barstool money and keep getting his UFC money but I'm going to be very interested to see who they match him up with next because there are some people and some fighters that they take a chance with. And if they take a chance with Paddy Pimblett, it's going to go very, very badly. But at the same time, where do you go? Like, where do you go with Paddy? What do you do? Do you build on this hype and just keep giving him easy fights, easy fights, easy fights? If you do that, you turn him into MVP and people will start stop fucking caring at some stage. So you have to move him in a forward direction. To be fair, the UFC have moved him in a forward direction for the three fights so far, but this is a next forward direction. We're going to have to move him, and it's going to be harder than the last two. Yeah, I think, you know, ideally they'd given somebody with a name who's like washed up, like the Gustafsson equivalent of... of Joe Lozan? Is Joe Lozan still around? Yeah, he is, give yeah. Joe on. You know, get Diego Sanchez back in there, or you know, somebody like that. Yeah, because he, he, you know, it's it's positive, as you said, it's a positive sign that he got the finish that he overcame it or whatever. And it's a positive. One of the most biggest positives is like you said that he said he was disappointed in his performance. You know, you need you you need to kind of realize where you're at. Like he he got the finish or whatever. He could have been like, oh yeah, I'm the best or whatever, but he didn't. He you know. He he knew that it wasn't a great performance and that he needs to do better. So like you know he, he he's aware that like you know it's going to take a lot more than that to get where he wants to go. So hopefully that'll be kind of a wake up call to him to kind of knuckle down and maybe some of the criticism about the fat shame or, or quote fat shaming as he says maybe will you know remind him of what he used to say himself. Like I mentioned earlier about needing to to do all this nutrition stuff and weight cutting stuff properly. Yeah, 100%. Time will tell. Yeah, definitely. Nine decisions, Graham, on the card tonight. Every single one of them, unanimous decision. We want to talk about judging. Now, that's fucking good, consistent judging to get nine unanimous decisions on one card. Was there any decisions that were actually disputable? Yeah, still, though. Fucking. Uh, let me think now. Not really, actually, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, all, I think they were all pretty yeah, fucking all obvious. Pretty, yeah, they're, they're all pretty obvious, I suppose. But still and all. Uh, yeah, no, probably, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, right, let's talk, Let's move on. Oh, yeah, ruined your... You ruined it, you ruined it. But, uh, yeah, look, uh, I, I hope we weren't too negative on Paddy there, but we. I feel like everyone else is giving you the positive look at Paddy, and we are trying to give you the reality. While still saying, I'm going to be really looking forward to the announcement of Paddy's next fight. I'm going to be really looking forward to the build-up of Paddy's next fight. I'm going to be watching all of his vlogs. He's the only guy I watch his vlogs. No, there's no other fighter. I'm not yeah, watching I him better. I look forward to, to him. way more than any other fighter. Yeah, 
me too. This card. I, I've always looked forward to Paddy, Paddy's fight for years. But like, you know, when he was up and coming in Cage Warriors, yeah. I look forward to his fights. He's an exciting fighter. He's a finisher. He's an interesting guy. You know, as we said, he's genuine. So, like, there's a lot of things to like about him. And, yeah, he says some stupid shit that people don't like, but he's a young guy saying fucking shit that comes into his head. Like, you know, he's he's not, like, making, making um, you know, uh, declarations yeah. that like, should be taken too seriously. Yeah. Like, you know, people need to chill out a bit around Paddy yeah. as well. Yeah. Big up, Paddy. We're on the hype train. I'm jumping on the hype train. I'll give you the reality, but I'm jumping on the fucking hype train as well. Long live Paddy Pimble. Let's go, Paddy. Team Liverpool all the way. Let's, <laughs> let's do it. Um, let's talk a little bit about last night's action, Graham. Cage Warriors put on uh, probably the card of the weekend, if we're being honest. O'Meal Brown got a beautiful right hook KO, carries unbelievable power. I'm a big fan of Lanier Kavanagh. Um, Ian had him on the uh, YouTube this week, gave a great interview. Seems like a likable guy, good looking guy. He's now 4 0. Jeez, he put on a great performance here against a tough guy in Ander Sanchez. You know, he was only one fight into his career, but this guy, I think, will fight in Cage Warriors again. He's very, very good. Game as hell, got knocked down at Kavanagh at one stage, but came back and won the fight again. He's so smooth and so slick for a guy four fights into his career. Had Brad Pickett in his corner. Maybe fought a bit defensively like Brad Pickett, which isn't the best thing in the world maybe to be doing. But he's the type of guy, right? He's a 125-er. And you can see exactly the things he needs to add into his game. A bit better defensively. A bit more output. A bit more cardio. Which three, four fights into his career, all things he can add within... All, all, it's, all it's going to take is time. But he has that slick skill. He has beautiful striking. This guy is a prospect you need to be watching out for. I'm really looking forward to seeing his rise. So Lanier Kavanagh, if you don't know the name, know what going over Watch that interview he did with Ian. Really, really good. Um, then we had Madars Flaminas, who beat Jesse Holland. Madars Flaminas, maybe the most disrespected fighter in all of Europe. This guy, I called him the prospect killer, and he is. His last two fights, he beat Holland and he beat Oban Elliott. Before that, he's a win over George Hardwick, who's the champion. Now he's beaten Matt Bonner, who's the champion before. He's beaten, you know, Sean Lomas, who is a, a journeyman in the, the truest and good sense of the word. He's not a can, he's a journeyman. He beat him in his second fight, and, you know, he's beaten yeah. uh, Mick well, Stanton. What's going on? You're fighting, you're fighting the, the hardest matchup you can get, and you can't get any respect. And you're yeah. you're the third third fight of the night against uh, an undefeated guy. Yeah, and Jesse uh, Rollins is still very very good, but he you know he wasn't he wasn't the better man last night. You know, Nader um, has absolutely uh, dominated the fight and deservedly won. It was a great performance from him, um, and he got the finish as well in the in the second round with uh, with a TKO. Uh, then Adam Amasinger went to a decision and won against Sam Spencer. Ad did will as even did will. Curry against uh, Nazglis Reese McEwen as well got a good win over Kingsley Crawford a very very good win he was a big underdog in that one um, called out by Caelan Lockhorn afterwards that fight I think makes a lot of sense I think that prob- probably will happen next Steve Amiable uh, got a good win I picked Petley to win that fight but Amiable absolutely proved me wrong and he won that didn't the biggest shock maybe well maybe not the biggest shock but one of the big shocks of the night Samuel Bark in only his sixth fight knocked out Tobias Cirilla with another flying knee if anyone listened to my previous show Brad had sent me a video of Bark throwing flying knees and he, he knocked uh, he knocked out Harilla. I think Harilla is too insane and too brave of a fighter. He's just he's really good, but God Almighty, he he just goes and strikes with strikers, wrestles with wrestlers, goes forward at all times. 
I don't want to go full Mikel Pereira on him here or anything, but he's going to have to change up his brilliantly exciting game if he is going to be successful in MMA because you can't fight a guy like Bark who is, um, you know, a Mai Tai fucking world champion or whatever he is in the manner that Arilla fought him because you're going to get knocked out and that's exactly what he did get. But big win here for Bark and he's going to move on in that 145 pound division you know you beat Harila you put yourself right up there you could see him fighting for a title next you could see him fighting Paul Hughes or Vucinic or whoever is around next you know he really really could he's right up there now uh, Mick Stanton got a very good win in over Darren Short another underdog win a night of the underdogs here very good performance for Mick Stanton Mick, Mike Figlak then Beat Aggie Sardari. Figlak is just going to the moon here. Now, what a performance from Figlak. His hands looked amazing. He hurt Sardari a couple of times. You know, I had pinned Sardari as a guy who was going to be going to the UFC and going to have a good career in the UFC. And I really believe in his game. I think he's a very good all-around game, but it just shows you how good Figlak is. Shows you how good that Joe McCulligan is as well. And it was a brilliant, brilliant win here for Figlak. Um... You know, on the same night, which the, the title was won in the main event. But before that, Jimmy Wallhead came back and got a big right hook KO over Daniel Skibinski. Another underdog win here. I'm a big fan of Skibinski as well. I think he's good. But Judo Jimmy came in at a fucking 70 years of age, it seems like, and got the finish there. And in the main event, George Hardwick. Uh, Kyle Driscoll came in and he struck with Hardwick and he landed some good shots, cut him open on stage as well. But Hardwick just kept going and going and going and ended up getting the finish in the fourth round. Lovely stuff. And I think no one deserves to hold that title more than George Hardwick. I'd say even Joe McCulgan would probably agree with that, who stepped aside to let him hold the title. He's had pullouts and missed weights and everything has fucking happened to George Hardwick over the last couple of years and he deserves it. And afterwards, he showed utmost respect to Joe McCulgan and goes, if Joe wants to come back, he showed respect to me by stepping aside to let us fight for the title. And if he wants to fight for the title, I will give it to him. I think that's a great fight. If Joe McCulgan, I spoke to Joe a few weeks ago and he kind of told me, look, I'm concentrating on my work at the moment. We'll see down the line kind of a thing, which is always, Joe has never hid that fact. You know, he's always kind of said that. But if he would come back, that'd be a magnificent fight. If not, the Mike Figlak fight. But really good night for Kate. Or Flaminas, you know. Yeah, Flaminas. He's the only man to have beaten him. Flaminas is up at 170 now though is the only thing but I think Flaminas versus Reese McKee is a fight you could easily make as well you know Flaminas deserves a yeah. title shot after that without a shadow of a doubt look Reese was saying he wants to go to the UFC if he does let him off and have you know Flaminas in there against whoever is the next guy up uh, but would, I, uh, would Flaminas go back down for a title shot may, maybe oh, I don't know maybe but yeah, we could see it. There seems to be a lot of guys at one uh, one fifty five there, but there's a lot of guys at one seventy as well. Like Ju- Judah Jimmy's at one seventy, as is fucking um, uh, the other Figlak, Matthias Figlak. They all deserve title shots. They're all there or thereabouts. So you know that gap left by Ingari at one seventy, the gap left by Joe McCalgan at one fifty five, have both been quickly filled. So a very exciting times for uh, for Cage Warriors in the two best divisions. One forty five. You know they're on about going to Italy. I wonder will the France card be announced. Very disappointing that they didn't announce a card for Dublin. You know or Cork or whatever it might be. Very disappointing. After Graham Boylan promised three cards this year, we've had one. We've five months left, and none have been announced. So that's a bit a bit disappointing. Uh, but uh, also, a big thing I must mention: Cage Warriors brought back the in cage interview for the main event, which was long overdue and fucking brilliant. Because George Hardwick got a great promo. He was just roaring like butter, and he was saying loads of different things. And he called out Joe McCulligan, half kind of called him out um, very respectfully, and it was great. It was really, really good. So I'm glad they brought it back. Long may continue. 
also, before we move on as well, John Gooden is fucking brilliant. And if John Gooden isn't on more UFC cars, I'm going to be really mad. Like, I like Brendan Fitzgerald. I like John Ennick. John Ennick is obviously number one, but John Go- John Gooden should be number two. Like, he should be in there calling some of those big cards. Let you know, himself and Brendan Fitzgerald. For a while, he was kind of getting a few, wasn't he? And then it kind of stopped. Someone was saying something about a visa. Maybe it's just because of, you know, COVID and all of this. It's harder to get visas and things. I know maybe that's part of it, but... Yeah, I I would love to see more of John Anik or sorry, uh, John Gooden to be honest. He's absolutely brilliant. And now that's no disrespect to Brendan or, or or John Anik especially, but uh Gooden is brilliant. I love a bit of Gooden. Bisping was good tonight. I feel like Bisping though he is not Dan Hardy. You know, he doesn't bring the same knowledge of the UK fighters as Dan Hardy. Like even tonight when he was talking about Jacasey, he sounds more Cormier and Hardy uh, talking about GKC you know he doesn't really know him and it's, you can clear, clearly see he hasn't watched the Bama fights or he doesn't watch Cage Warriors fights and all of that he does not have that knowledge of those local fighters and you can't beat that knowledge that's why John Gooden is so great as well like Brendan Fischerl is great but he doesn't have the, the knowledge he's not an MMA fan for a decade or two decades or whatever it is John Gooden is and that's what makes him so great he's one of us but he's also like a top top broadcaster and really brilliant and he would satisfy everyone's needs and it's a shame he's not there more and he should be there more and if anyone's listening to this from the UFC put him in there more because he, he deserves it but anyway Bellator Graham I don't know how much of this you watched I fucking fell asleep during the main event I, I stayed up to watch all the rest you of it you fell asleep during your boys your boys, <laughs> my boys biggest moment my boys today. biggest moment it was I flew to Canada for it and all and I fucking fell asleep <laughs> right in the middle of it but um, you know Douglas Lima basically uh, got out wrestled by Jason Jackson almost knocked him out with an upkit in the second round I said it to said it to Ian who watched it I was like oh Jason what happened in the, me- uh, the rest of it I missed like rounds 3, 4 and 5 and he goes it was the exact same thing that happened in round one and two so it was just a wrestling clinic for Jason Jackson it's very difficult at a 170 division at the moment because look MVP just lost and he's gone fighting in a boxing match lost in inverted commas there uh, bare knuckle boxing as well boxing in inverted commas I suppose you could say it and then Amasov is coming back training now you know he was over fighting obviously in the war in Ukraine Storley's the interim champion with Amasov as the main champion they're going to have to fight but sure Jason Jackson what's he going to do is he going to have to wait out for another year like to get the winner of that or six or seven or eight months you know, maybe he, MVP's gone away now. Maybe they find someone else. But who else can you find? Like, Douglas Nemo's probably the guy you find. So, if I was Jason Jackson, probably just sit out. Probably just wait for that fight to happen, be their cage side, and get the winner. Yeah, sitting so. out and waiting, though, is just a risky game. Like, you know, you can wait, and then somebody can get injured again, or they decide on a different matchup because there's some kind of beef or there's some kind of other reason. I don't know. I, I, if I was Jason Jackson, I'd get back in there, get another payday. Uh, wouldn't be waiting around, you know. Um, a lot can change in in you know nine months, and uh, I I don't think he's the kind of guy who's going to sit out, you know. Uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe the Bellator title is really important to him, or or something. But probably it probably it's not. Like you know what I mean. Yeah, oh, yeah. we'll see, we'll see what happens uh, but uh, yeah, good performance and a good win over Douglas Lima, who's now lost four in a row could, uh, I don't know well, the, well, what's happened to him, yeah, yeah. Uh, tough fights though, he's lost a lot of tough fights but maybe it's a time for a move we talked about it with PFL guys before maybe PFL is a move, maybe I don't know, would the UFC pick him up on a four or five losing streak, but um, yeah, maybe it might be a time for, for a move somewhere else, but anyway um Tafik Masayev then, who anyone who listened to this podcast last week or any of my previews, I said this guy's a class fighter, and by God he's a class fighter. Finished 
uh, Sydney Outlaw, who was supposed to fight for the title against Patricky Pitbull in 27 seconds. Masayev also has a win over Patricky Pitbull a couple of years ago, so he'll almost certainly fight for a title, you would think, now uh, on his way back. Just came in and big right hook, knocked him out. Outlaw was given out about the stoppage, absolutely not. He was given a chance and, and didn't finish. So, uh, yeah, there was that. Uh, Din Usavander Magomedov got a front choke, a ten-finger kind of choke against Chris Gonzalez. It was really... There was very little happening in the first two minutes of this. And it was literally kind of the first exchange. <laughs> uh, Nurmagomedov got the front choke and ended up finishing him. You know, I think Luke Thomas said he's 15 and all now. This guy will be fighting for a title very soon. And, you know, maybe Messiah will get it first and he'll fight the winner of that. I could very much see that. But he'll probably get another fight in before that as well. Really, really, really good fighter there. And, you know, Gonzalez is a good fighter as well. Um, then there was a no contest in the Lorenz Larkin, Mohamed Berkamov fight. There was an elbow to the back of the head from Larkin while he was being pushed against the cage. Now, it was a very unfortunate one. He threw it to hit the side of the head. It hit the back of the head. Didn't look that bad. And then Berkamov was like, nah, boy, I can't continue. I was kind of looking away at my phone. And then I looked up and the fight was over. I was like, what's after happening here? But, may, you know, it's easy for me to say sitting at home. <clears throat> Maybe it was a lot worse than it looked. It didn't, certainly didn't look that bad. And we're kind of saying that in commentary as well. But however, uh, it ended that way. No contest, maybe they'll run that back. Then Marcelo Gome, rear naked choked. Davian Franklin, the last few seconds of that. Franklin had been throwing him around the best. It was a really good fight. One of the best uh, heavyweight fights of the year, probably, I would say. It was a very, very good fight. But he got the finish. Dalton Rossiting going in there looking like Arnold Schwarzenegger and absolutely decimated Romero Cotton. Took him down. Cotton couldn't take him down. He's beating him on the feet. And uh, he, uh, he put him to sleep with a big left hook, absolutely folded him like, uh, uh, <laughs> he folded him like, uh, what's your man's name, Louis, Louis Thoreau, he folded him like Louis Thoreau, he did now, and it was absolutely brilliant, great stuff from uh, Dalton Rasta, and you should be looking for him as well, at 185, you know, it's, it's actually probably a better UFC, a uh, better 1A middleweight division than the UFC's middleweight division, if I'm being honest, with top, quality anyway so uh, it'll be actually tougher for him I think if he was in the UFC he'd be right uh, there thereabouts for a title shot that Ross is that good uh, but Belfort's a little bit better I think uh, Artega didn't be Porto Rabadabov beat King Magomedov the fire hydrant won his fight in a fire hydrant fashion again another knockout for Feraldo he's 8-0 in that 170 division he's really good Jason Bates very lucky and close split decision win over Mark Coates and then Archie Colgan as well got a good win with the right hook in the third round there so that's all of last week's MMA uh, there was actually uh, um, cage contender as well I'm sure the lads will ha- not cage contender cage is it yeah it is cage contender is it I conflict cage conflict, conflict. conflict. Um, the lads will have that over in the old triangle um, next week I'm sure but there were some uh, some good fights I believe on that as well so that's a, a very very uh, very good to see Irish cards going down so f- fair play to them next week then Graham we have UFC 277 we have Amanda Nunes versus Juliana Pena too we have Kai Cara France versus Moreno uh, and after that we haven't very fucking much if we're being honest we have Derek Lewis don't forget Derek yeah, Lewis Derek Lewis against Pavlovich Pavlovich like that's actually a very tough fight for Derek Lewis I would say so that's not a bad one it's a hard one yeah it's a hard one to predict how that's going to go and, you know, I think Pavlovich will probably wrestle him and probably win that one but sure we'll see I don't know there's always that jeopardy in the in the Derek Lewis there fight is, yeah he could be losing for 14 and a half minutes and, and I'm always win, happy enough when Derek Lewis is on the <laughs> me car. too yeah I'll take that although Pantoja versus Perez that could be a really good fight as well um, that's a good one and Kalive Smith that's a big fight for 205 Alex Morono and Smellsberger yeah, it's an alright prelim 
Trudeau, Bralvarez, yeah. Melez against some guy I've never heard of who's three and oh. Dracker Close, good interview with Ian. Dracker Close seems like a real nice guy in that interview. That he yeah, did. he did. He seemed yeah. real bang on. Yeah. yeah. yeah so he got he's got an opponent since then. Um, so yeah, and some other fights then as well. Orion Cusk against Blood Diamond. That's a fucking WWE NXT 2.0 <laughs> matchup if I've ever fucking seen it. But the top two. Uh, Brandon Moreno against Kai Cara France for the interim 125 pound title with Figueiredo on the sidelines for some reason. Moreno has a win over Kai Cara France back in 2019 via unanimous decision. Uh, look at that. I must go back and watch that fight again, but from what I remember, it was a, a fast paced fight as it tends to be at 125. Moreno's kind of gone up. Well, they've both, look, they've both gone up a few levels since then, I would say. Um, Kai Cara France is a hard hitter and a good striker, but look, Moreno's been in there in his last three fights against Figueiredo and didn't get finished by, you know, the, the hardest hitting guy in that division who goes all out for it. In fact, he finished him in the middle of those three fights. So it's, it's going to be a tough fight for, uh, it's going to be a tough fight for Kai Cara France, but still in all, it's, how, how, much on the down is Moreno after the, that trilogy like we, we we often see trilogies and guys are never the same again after it in terms of maybe mentally or physically it's a tough you know if he'd had the fourth fight and they're you know one draw one win one last sport of them both of them would have been able to get up for it you know Whereas this one, I know he's not the champion and he's fighting for, you know, the, the interim championship. But I think it might be a little bit hard for him to get up for that. Whereas Kai Carafrance, he's fighting for that title for the very first time. If he wins it, he'll be fighting in a big unification bout against the ultimate, you know, the the uh, the, the champ, champ or the, not the champ, champ, but the champion at the moment. So it's massive for him. I think that might be a little bit of an issue here from Reno. What do you think of this one? Yeah, I think you know. I think both uh, have improved a lot since the first the first fight, even though it wasn't that long ago. I think Kai Kara France is much more well rounded, uh, uh, and he's much more dangerous now than he was back then. But I obviously think Brandon Moreno has looked much better, and like you know, kind of took everybody by surprise in his uh, uh, the draw was it the draw against uh, the first fight against Figueiredo, um, and and obviously beating him in the second one. Uh, the second fight. So um, it could be a case of, you know, the, the matchup with Figueredo actually like is like favorable for, for Moreno and, and maybe it's, it's, it, he, he, he looks better than he maybe is, or it could be a case of, he's a fighter that kind of fights to the level of the fighter he's up against. But with Kai Kara France, as you said, he's like, this is, you know, the first time he's, he's been here. He, this is his big moment in his head. This is what he's been training his whole life for. And for Brandon Moreno, is it quite as important? Probably not. It's probably really important anyway. It's really important to him. But, you know, there's definitely uh, something there. But, uh, yeah, like, for some reason, like, uh, everything points to Moreno. Should, should, like, he beat him before. He, he looked absolutely fantastic against Figueredo. Even in, even in losing, he, he, you know, it was a close fight. And he... He he he, rear naked choked him in the fight before that. So everything kind of points to Moreno winning, but for some reason, you know, Kai Car Francis looked really impressive recently, and uh, I I think he's going to get it done here. Uh, I know I, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't, but I I think he might you know cause the upset here 
which well, I'm not sure if it's an upset on the book. It's interesting. It is. That's interesting. I, do you know what? I'm going to refrain because and I'll give my pick during the week. Obviously, we'll have the picks out uh, up on our Instagram and everywhere like that. Andy Stevenson's a grand man for doing the uh, the pay-per-view pick, so we'll have them out there. But I, I need to watch a bit, little bit more on that. It was three cards this weekend, so we had a lot to cover, but we will cover more of that. Yeah, do you know what? I'm. I think I'm leaning high Cara friends, but I will. I will. I will hold off on that. I will hold off on that. But the main event, Amanda Nunes and, and Juliana Pena. Like, I, I'm picking Amanda Nunes here, but I'm. And I'm. I'm sure I'm picking Amanda Nunes. I will always pick Amanda Nunes. It's not. I think I could talk myself into. But the only thing is right, and I've actually a podcast with. Um, who do I have a podcast with? Harry coming out in this during the week over in Sherdog, like. The first fight for Amanda Nunes was it an off day for Nunes? What was it like her life? Was it uh, things that were happening? Not taking it serious enough. Yeah, was it Kayla Harrison sitting cage side? Was it all that, or was it her in silk pajamas? Does she have too much money? Is she no longer able to be the fighter she once was? Because if it's the latter, she's fucked and will probably lose again here. If it's the former, she'll probably destroy Pena. And I'm honestly not sure which it is. What, what would your take on it be? See, I think she can be in silk pajamas or whatever it is, or silk sheets, um, and still beat Juliana Pena. I think she's that good. Yeah, I think you know. Uh, I think she, it was probably part of that where you've kind of achieved it all, and you're you're the kind of you know the best woman fighter ever, um, most successful, you know, double champ, all that stuff. You've kind of achieved you know more than you probably ever even set out to. So you've made a lot of money, all that stuff. So it is hard to kind of, you know, get the same levels of motivation. But I do think she just underestimated it. She didn't, like we've talked about it before, She sometimes she comes and she's not really in shape. She's kind of, how much has she been in the gym? Probably not very much. Uh, when she has been in the gym, how much hard training has she, she been putting in? Uh, not very much, because if she had been, she'd, she'd be in better shape. We've seen her in shape. We've seen her out of shape, you know. I'm expecting to see her on the scale in shape, but I'd be wary of making a pick until I do see her on the scale because maybe she has gone further kind of the the silk sheets route than I than I think, and it was less of an off day or an underestimation of her opponent or lack of training. Um, that was a problem, but like I, I like I I definitely am picking. I'm expecting her to expecting her to win as long as she comes in shape. But mm-hmm. it's seven months. There is a like, possibility that she doesn't come in shape, which is you know, you know, you know, it's definitely, it's definitely a, a wait until weigh-in day before you put any kind of money on uh, on Amanda Nunes anyway. Seven months since that fight, but they were all, they also did tough, obviously, which no one watched. But that tough, what's that tough? Like eight weeks in there, like two months maybe. Like, or maybe even a little bit longer. That's or like if a, if, a, if a tree falls in the forest and nobody <laughs> is there. <laughs> did it actually happen? Yeah, but it did happen if you were fucking there. Like, you know, it, <laughs> and it's, yeah, I can't argue with that. But still, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see which Amanda Nunes turns up. And I'm I'm really, really intrigued by it. I, I, this is the fight I remember at the turn of the year, you know, we always do the, those, uh, which fight are you most looking forward to in this year? And this was the top of my list all the time, you know? And um, it's the one I'm so intrigued to see because we're talking about legacy here. We're talking about legacy because this is 
the consensus greatest female fighter of all time up until her last fight, right? And if she goes in there and she wins this fight, they rematch, she wins that fight, then again, it was an off night. She's the consensus greatest of all time. There's no shred of doubt about it. But what if she loses? Like, what if she loses? You talk about Jeopardy, Graham. You've made that word Jeopardy your own over the last while. There could not be more Jeopardy in a mixed martial arts fight than there is in this one. It's fucking yeah. massive. It's brilliant. And, I, and Juliana Pena, like, you know, she isn't going in there expecting to lose like 90% of recent opponents for Amanda Nunes have been going in there. That kind of fear factor, that mystique, she definitely just like tore that up in her last fight. You know, she's going to be more confident than she's ever been in her career and you know, she's going to see it as her moment, you know, um, maybe she thought she could get it done before, but now she knows she can get it done in, in her head. So she's going to be the most confident and Amanda Nunes is going to have more pressure on her, you know, being a, being champion definitely is, is a pressure, but now it's like, you know, fighting for your legacy nearly, you know, it, it's kind of all on the line and this is so important uh, for Amanda Nunes, you know, uh, I can't see her not coming in shape for such an important fight. Like, surely she'll she'll be uh, well prepared for this fight. Yeah, I would tend to agree. But like, is it that easy to turn it on and turn it off? That'd be that's an interesting. That's the thing. I think yeah. she has she her the gap in ability or the gap in like um uh, yeah, in ability and it's so big that if she is in shape, even if she even if she isn't as motivated as as once before as she used to be before she still should have enough to get it done. Maybe not in the same style she would have got it done when she was motivated and tearing through the division. But, you know, as good as Juliana Pena did in the last fight, I don't think she's really on the level of Amanda Nunes anywhere near her best. Yeah, that is true. I would tend to agree. All right, we will uh, we will leave it there, Graham. Uh, it's been uh, been a fun podcast. We've had a lot to get through, but you know what? We've got through it, and uh, it was it was very very good. Uh, All Ireland football final tomorrow. No, no Dublin is unfortunately, Graham. I apologise, but Kerry Galway should be fun. The Limerick won the All Ireland again last week. What do you think, Graham? Was yeah, great. congratulations. Thanks well done. Much. Thanks very much. Very four good. four out of five now. We're nearly getting sick of them. Do you know, I I went into the shop the other day and bought a bottle of coke, and they handed me back a fucking All Ireland medal in the change. There's so many of them around Limerick now. It's great. Dublin had a better record in the All uh, Football in recent he, years. No? He did, yeah, but you're gone. You're gone. Not great now, and in the last couple of years, yeah, sure. he'll be back. Even, he'll be back. He'll nobody even cares. Ah, they do. They do. Uh, <laughs> anyway, shall we? Leave, we leave it there. Big long podcast this week. Um, shout out to uh, everyone who bought the t-shirts actually if anyone's looking for a t-shirt there's actually very few left um, we got the striking plus grappling plus aggression yeah, I, plus I modeled t-shirt. it on the in, six and, and a half hour podcast I did right before this podcast <laughs> yeah, so if you want to see it head on over to our YouTube I think I have a couple of XLs left and I think that's it I also have a few uh, back uh, the, like I have a large and maybe a medium and like uh, it's on the back instead of on the front so if anyone's interested uh, interested in those let me know because Literally, I think I've maybe four the old freebie misprints. The old freebie misprints, they were great. But uh, yeah, they're uh, 25 quid uh, unless you're on Patreon and they're 20 quid if you're a Patreon member. So uh, let us uh, let us know. Hit me up on at Pod. Give us a DM there and uh, we'll get the t-shirts out to you. And thanks everyone who's bought one. It's been uh, absolutely, uh, it's absolutely great to get a bit of merch out there. People have been asking for a long while. So we've been finally able to, to get some out there and it's gone well. So we'll probably do more.
more again uh, very very soon so let us know if there's anything people were saying about uh, these things happen in MMA maybe maybe that's a good one we could we could get but uh, yeah I like the I like this I, I think it was more your way of saying it what, what was the somebody tweeted that it was, yeah, it was uh, better than that Asher these things Asher, happen Asher, Asher these things happen <laughs> something like that I think that's good it's a very Irish type of one yeah we need it's like we, the Irish uh, version of the ghost <laughs> yeah we're like green both. white and gold down the middle of it maybe or something like that the Samir Bay logo yeah that could be good if anyone if anyone's good at designing things like that the design part is probably our hardest part actually getting them now we have a kind of that maybe not sorted but we have it almost there anyway so uh, yeah if anyone good people designing out there who we'll pay you like 20 quid if you want to design something good for us we don't have that much money but uh, yeah let us know anyway let us know um right we will leave it there shout out again to our friends over at eat all real nutrition or all real nutrition even you go to eatallreal.com eatallreal.com use the promo code severe man get 15 percent off lovely protein uh bars they have uh, peanut butter now and stuff as well i have a toothbrush here on my table uh sun their sunglasses are actually class i, I wish i could wear them i can only wear my prescription sunglasses because i'm blind but their sunglasses are like really cool so into the summer get them now and uh, get started patreon.com forward slash severe med podcast as well we have so much stuff up there i'm going away for a few days in a few weeks so if anyone knows when i go away for a few days <laughs> there's going to be extra stuff there so it's probably a good time to sign up for our uh, for our patreon now but anyway we will leave it there i am sean sheehan that is graham mcdonald please click the subscribe button and we will leave it there apart from graham's quote of the week graham sweetness Sweetness, I was only joking when I said by rights you should be bludgeoned in your bed. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> We're gone dark this week, what do you think? All right. <laughs> see, you, see you next Tuesday. Or probably Sunday. <laughs>